Hey, Merry Christmas, Valley family. Great to see everybody uh, here today. Third time I'm giving this message. Happened to me again. There's something about the red light uh, that that was just on. I always put in my notes the most important things in red, so it was like invisible ink. All of a sudden, all this stuff disappeared off my notes. I was a little panic mode, and it's the third time I'm doing it anyway. But uh, uh, thank you for joining us uh, here today as we're kicking off this series. going to take us right into Christmas time, uh, talking about really uh, many of the, several of the names of Jesus. You, you know, names are really... Uh, Really, really important, especially in the Bible, names, names are very important. Uh, of course, all of us have different names that people call us, right? Uh, you, you know, um, uh, my, my daughters call me Daddy. Uh, my son-in-law in the back there calls me Pop. Uh, some of you call me Pastor, which actually is the least favorite name of mine. I really don't, like, don't do that. Uh, my, my parents named me Greg. Um, uh, Susie calls me some names that you know, I'm not going to tell you what they are. Uh, nobody hears those but me. Um, and, and actually, my parents named me Greg. Some people call me Coach. I, some of y'all have coached in high school, which is pretty cool. Uh, and I love that, still being called Coach, because I am. That's what I, God made me a coach. Uh, but my parents actually almost named me something else. Uh, every single one of my siblings is named after a member of the family. And uh, they were right up until the time I was born, uh, literally when my mother's in labor, they changed my name. They decided we're going to call him, name him Greg instead. I was going to be Isaac Enoch. <laughs> and that was my grandfather's name, Michelle, so don't, don't go laughing too hard at that. So, uh, but anyway, no, I don't think I look like an Isaac uh, Enoch at all. Uh, I'm glad they changed it. And, and they, they never said why, but I'm the only one. And I've done a lot of extensive study, like my family tree and history and all that. There's not one Gregory in the whole family, both sides, like going back 14 generations, not one. Uh, and, and yet, but my name is kind of interesting. Gregory means vigilant watchman. And, and that really is, that, that, that's who I am. Like I see everything. I see some of you nodding off right now. I see everything. Like I don't miss anything. And the staff will tell you, like I, I may not say it all that, but I see like everything. Like I walk in a room and I, I just see everything. And, uh, and I've always been that way. And, and uh, so, so there's something about names, actually, and I encourage you, if you don't know what your name is, look it up, especially like in original language that it, that it comes from. Uh, in fact, one of my favorite names, this is a nickname, one of my favorite names when we go over to Eastern Europe, they call me Grisha, because they don't have a, a, a Gregory, but they have a Grisha. And Grisha was this big muscular uh, man, so they say Grisha, and I'm like, yeah, you bet, baby, uh, right there. But, but in, in uh, names often like re refer to the character of someone. And it was Dale Carnegie who, who put it this way, and I don't want to misquote it, so let me look at the, the red on my notes now that the white light's on. Uh, Dale Carnegie put it this way, the sweetest sound in anyone's ear is the sound of their own name. The sweetest sound in anyone's ear is the sound of their own name. And when I was in high school at John Jay uh, High School right here in East Fishkill, my senior year in psychology class, uh, we had to choose a how-to book and read a how-to book and then write a report, do an oral presentation on it. And I chose Dale Carnegie's book, How to Win Friends and Influence People. 
And that was one of the points that just hit me so much is how important people's names are to I'll give you a, a little secret here. That's one of the main reasons I'm on social media is because it helps me with people's names. It helps me when I'm going down the feet and I see faces and I see the name there. It really just helps to solidify that. So, so uh, because I, I want to best I can. I used to, when the church was like a couple hundred people, I, I knew everybody's name. I knew their kids' names. I knew their pets' names, you know. And, and now it's a little harder when we have, you know, like thousand, you know, plus people. But uh, I try to do the best that I can because names mean something. And, and, and I want to kind of frame this series with a passage in Isaiah that, that Isaiah the prophet began to describe almost 800 years before the coming of Jesus, what he would be like, who, who the Messiah, the promised one would be like. And he gives him these different names, and we just want to kind of work our way through these names leading up to Christmas. In Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6, it says, For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders, and he will be called, so these are some names, Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Now, let me just stop right there, and, and we're going to kind of work our way through these names leading up to our Christmas services. By the way, go ahead and register for that. You know, save some seats. Uh, we're expecting like 1,200 people walk through the door uh, in our four services, and uh, that's why we're adding a fourth to make room for everybody. Uh, and there are some, we, we get to a point where it's too full, and we have to close that service down in terms of more people coming. But go ahead and register for that, please. And, and use these invites. Invite your friends and all. That's why we're adding a service, so you can invite your friends. Um, you know, it's a great time of the year for that. But notice this in, in Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6. I, I've preached this before in years past, but it never hit me the way it did this time. It's just like, you know, God's word is alive and it just, it's fresh. For unto us a child is born. That speaks to Jesus's humanity. He was given. You know, he, he was by the Virgin, Virgin Mary, gave birth to Jesus. For unto us a child is born, but then watch this, unto us a son is given. That speaks to his divinity. God gave his only son. Right, right there, 800 years before the coming of Jesus, Isaiah says he's going to be fully man and fully God simultaneously. For unto us a child is born. For unto us a son is given. For God so loved the world, he gave his only son. He was divine. That whoever believed in him would not perish, but have everlasting life. Isn't that just, this is mind-blowing to me. Almost 800 years before, he says he's going to be fully human. And at the same time, fully divine. We say, well, I can't comprehend that. Exactly. That's why nobody could come up with something like that. It's, it's, it's incomprehensible. But it's truth. Only God could do that. That's why he's like... God. And uh, so, so fully man, fully divine. And his name should be called Wonderful Counselor. And I just want to, that's where I want to stop today. And I just want to unpack what it means for Jesus to be Wonderful Counselor. And I'm just calling this message today, someone to talk to. Someone to talk to. Because Jesus is someone you can talk to. And 
And let, let me just kind of explain just really quick, just a quick uh, just a statement about each one of these names, why these are so important. His name is wonderful. This takes care of the dullness of life. He's wonderful. You know, serving Jesus is anything but dull. It's not boring. I mean, if you're really doing it, it, it it's, it's, not, it's not boring at all. It'll, it'll take you places you never thought you'd be. You'll do things you never thought. You'll see things you never thought you'd see. So, so his name is wonderful, takes care of the dullness of life. His name is counselor, takes care of the decisions of life. We're not, we're not on our own. We don't have to make the decision all on our own. His name is mighty God. That takes care of the demands of life. When you feel like, when you feel like you've, you've hit a crossroad, when you feel like you're, you're just running into a wall, can't go any further, he, he's, he's a mighty God. Whatever the demands that life is placing on you, you can, you can continue on. You can, you can walk through it because of him. His name is Eternal Father. That takes care of the dimensions of life. That, that, that means he can handle your past and my past that, that is, is stealing life from us in the present so that we don't continue and we forfeit our future. He, he's the Eternal Father, past, present, and future. His name is the Prince of Peace. This takes care of the disturbances of life. That we can actually experience peace, even in the midst of difficulty and trying times and, and, and crisis even, we can still experience the peace that passes all understanding because he is the prince of peace. So, so that's kind of like a, a preview of these messages, uh, just, just a short statement about each one. Now let's talk, like drill down into this whole idea of wonderful counselor. Wonderful counselor. This past Friday night, uh, we, we had our leadership Christmas party, uh, which we do annually. We, we have that, and I always have an opportunity right before the little white elephant gift exchange there. I, I kind of like summarize the, the, the year and, and tell everyone, you know, and just some affirming things and kind of like a rah-rah speech, and I like that because, again, I'm a coach, you know. And, uh, and, and I want to let you know what I told the, the staff this year. Uh, the, the leadership, this is, in my opinion, been one of the best years for our church. And, and May will be 33 years I've been the pastor, so I kind of have an interesting vantage point. But I think this year is one of the best years we've ever had. And, and there's a lot of reasons behind that. Uh, but, but things have just been going just, just incredibly well. Uh, again, we're trying to just uh, squeeze people into three services right now. I mean, most churches are struggling to keep their doors open. We're trying to figure out how can we accommodate more people. People just coming and coming and coming and coming and coming and coming and coming. We've got some real exciting things I'm going to be sharing January 1st when I talk about the vision uh, for the coming year uh, and, and in January uh, about the future, how we're going to be able to expand right here and, and, and accommodate literally hundreds more people right here uh, where we sit. Uh, that'll, that'll be next year uh, that, that we'll do that in 2023, opening a new uh, an academy that we're really, really excited about, just an alternative uh, opportunity for educating our children. Uh, real excited about that. So it's been a great year, 2022, as a church. And I'm thankful it has been a really, really great year. Because personally, this has probably been the hardest year of my life. And, and, and there's a couple of reasons for that. But, but the main reason for that, uh, and, and I've shared, and I won't go into all that detail right now, again, because I've shared it with the church family, uh, is really my, my father's death in January that was very, very sudden. And, uh, and then the aftermath of that. 
and, and kind of where I found myself, not in a good place emotionally, not, not in a good place mentally, not in a good space at all. And, uh, and, and I'm thankful for friends that I could talk to. And, and have cultivated those friendships that, that can point me to Jesus. And, and I'm really, really thankful uh, for the staff where I just had to say, listen, I'm, I'm going to kind of like disappear for a couple weeks because I've got to get my stuff together here. I, I need some time to, to kind of sort through all this. And, and it was my wife that really encouraged me. She, she said, you need to call another friend. And, and, and that was a friend of mine who's a Christian therapist. And, and he, she said, I think you need this help. And, and he was a tremendous help to me. And so it's been a really, really difficult year for me personally. But as a church, it, it's been phenomenal. And I'm glad it was that way because I don't know what I would have done if it was a challenging year, you know, as a church as well. Say all that say, I think I've learned maybe a little bit more even about the wonderful counselor this year than maybe ever before. And I can say this with all certainty, if you just kind of indulge me for a sec. Uh, you're looking at the best version of Greg Williamson there's ever been today. And, and, uh, and that, that's been this year as a result of just walking through some really, really difficult times. Uh, but I found someone I could talk to. And even more than my wife, who's my best friend, and, and a circle of friends around us, and even my friend who's a Christian therapist is Jesus. And he's someone you can talk to as well. And, and he wants to be there for you. And so I just want to unpack this whole idea of wonderful counselor. Because it is the most wonderful time of the year, but it's not wonderful for everybody. Some people are really struggling. You know, I tell our pastoral staff, I mean, this is generally like we get more request for marriage counseling in December than the previous 11 months combined. It, it, it's like, it's a tough time for people. And so I think there's so much to this. What is true wonder? When it says wonderful counselor, it's interesting, this word wonder in, in Hebrew, the, the original language of the Old Testament, the Hebrew word for wonder means to separate, to make unique, or to make different. He's a wonderful counselor. So what does that mean? That means he has a depth that none of us can even comprehend. He, he's wonderful. It's different than anyone else. It also means that, that he ha is valued more, that, 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 that we can spend in your 10, 10 billion years from now in eternity, we still won't be able to recognize how valuable Jesus is. And we will be with him for billions of years. He, he's truly wonderful. He has humility. He has such humility that think about it. We talked about last week that the Bible says that everything that we see is held together by the power of his word. In other words, you're held together. Like all he has to do is say the word and every one of us disintegrates. He, that's power. And, and yet he humbled himself to the point of being dependent on Mary and Joseph so much to change his dirty diaper. That's real humility. So he has depth, he has value, he has humility. I, I, th I think the psalmist understood this when he said in Psalm 8, 3 through 4, when I consider your heavens, your work of your fingers, the moon and the stars which you have ordained, what is man that you're mindful of him? 
and the Son of Man, that you visit him. He's like, who are we? When, when I begin to get a glimpse of who you are, who are we that you even think about us? Much less, you came to us. And that's what we celebrate at Christmas, is God coming to humanity. That, that God came near. Because he loves you so much, and he loves me so much. Jesus is always doing wonderful things, wonder-filled things. Some of you may know, you know, as you read through the Gospels, the first miracle that he ever did. He's just doing wonderful stuff. He's 30 years old. He's kind of under the radar, um, and, uh, and he hasn't done any miracles or anything like that at all. And he goes to a wedding with his mom. So this is Mary and Jesus. And they're at this wedding, and generally the culture at the time, a reception lasted about a week. And, and what would happen is they, they would bring out the wine for the reception, and it would be the best wine. They'd serve the best wine first. And the whole idea was the best wine first, and as the days go on, nobody can really tell anything about anything anyway, you know, uh, as they bring out the real cheap wine. After that, nobody can tell the difference. It all tastes the same after a certain point, you know. And so they run out of wine at this wedding. And the servants of the household, the house owner, uh, go to, and Mary hears them saying, we've run out of wine. We're like, we're going to lose our jobs. We're, we're, we're going to be out on the street. And Mary says, don't worry. Go talk to my son, Jesus. Now, he hasn't done anything miraculous at this point. The servants go to Jesus, and they're like, we ran out of wine. Your mom says we should come talk to you about it. And he goes, it's almost like one of these. He goes like, are you for real, mom? Like, like give me a break. Like he's, and, and what he says is this. He goes, why do you trouble me before my time? He says, mom, you're a troublemaker. Now, kids, don't look at your mom right now. That's not a good time to do that or anything. But he's like, mom, you're making trouble. And he goes, okay, so, so. Get some, get some containers, get some vases, pour them for water, bring them to me. And so the servants do it, and they're like, what, what do we have to lose? We're about to lose our job. I mean, we might as well try that. So they get the water in these containers, bring them to him, and he blesses them. He goes, now serve them. What? Just go serve them. And so they start pouring the water, but it comes out wine. And the people start drinking it, and they're like, oh. Uh, what is going on here? And the, the household, you know, the father of the bride, he's like, well, what do you mean? He goes, this is the best wine we've ever had. And this is not the first wine. Most people serve the best wine first. Why are you serving the best wine now? And everyone's kind of looking at Jesus like, he just does wonderful things like that. I don't know about y'all, but in heaven, I want Jesus pouring. That's all I'm saying. I, I want Jesus pouring. Because nobody's going to make wine ever. You never had. If you had wine, if you like, you never had wine like Jesus' wine. Seriously. So, so he, just, he just makes something ordinary and he makes it wonderful. Think about the disciples. He called 12 men to be his disciples. And, and several of them were fishermen. And of course he made them, he said, I'll make you fishers of men. And, and they turned the world upside down in one generation. But, but also he actually helped them with their business of fishing. 
There are several different instances where Jesus actually told them, let your net down right now over here at this time. And they took in so many fishes, it almost made their ships go underwater. They almost, you know, uh, drowned, submerged their ships and all because uh, they had so much fish. Like he helped them in their business. He's just doing wonderful stuff all the time. Think about the cross. Think about the cross that was one of the most brutal forms of execution humanity has ever seen. Used often in the Roman Empire. They crucified thousands, tens of thousands of people in the history of the Roman Empire. And Jesus takes that disgusting, grotesque cross and he fills it full of wonder. And that's where God's forgiveness and humanity's sinfulness met. So much so that now we have gold crosses and jewelry. No one in the first century would ever wear a cross as a piece of jewelry. It was grotesque. It'd be like wearing a guillotine. But Jesus made it wonderful. It's what he does. He's a wonderful counselor. And, and you know what? He can take anything and everything in your life that the world says you blew it too bad. You're wrong. You're so messed up. Nothing good can come out of your life. And Jesus just says, watch me. He's the wonderful counselor. Why is it necessary for God to be our counselor? The necessity of God's counsel. Why, why do we need him so badly? I think there's two reasons we need him to be the wonderful counselor. The, the first reason is this, our hearts are deceitful. Our hearts are deceitful. Our culture tells us, just follow your heart. And I would add to that, and this encouragement, just follow your heart if you want to wreck your life. <laughs> that's what they don't say. Because that's what, just follow your heart. Whatever's in your heart, just follow your heart if you want to ruin yourself. Just, just follow your heart. Be, because the Bible says the heart is deceitful above all things and beyond cure. No one can cure it. Who can understand it? There's only one person that can cure the human heart, and that's Jesus, the wonderful counselor. He's the only one. And, and so that's why we need him, because our hearts will lie to us. Our hearts will, I'm not asking for a show of hands, but, but I think probably most of us would. Hadn't there been times in, in your heart, you wanted to do this, and your head's like, that is the stupidest thing I've ever thought of. <laughs> Isn't it right? Like, like uh, oh, yeah, this is going to be so good for me. And then it blows up. The heart is deceived. We can't even trust our own heart. How are we going to follow our own heart? Our hearts are fickle. They change all the time. And, and so this is the reason we need the wonderful counselor. Because he can help us navigate when our heart is saying, this is what I want. Here's the thing about our hearts, you know. Ready? Our hearts just want what they want today, right now, immediately, and give no thought to tomorrow. 
Our hearts are just, I want what I want when I want it. This is what I want. And so they, they lie to us. They, they make, this is, this is it. If I have this, everything's going to be great. If, if this happens, my life's going to be perfect. And our heart is lying to us. It's deceitful above every, think about, think about all the stuff in this world. And the Bible says the heart is the most deceitful of it all. The human heart. It's crazy when you think about it. Beyond cure. The second reason why we, we need him as a great counselor is our minds are limited. Our hearts are deceitful. They're lying to us. Our, our, every one of us, you can have a highest IQ in the room, you still have limitations. Your mental limitations. So much so, listen to this, Isaiah, later in the book of Isaiah in the Old Testament, God is speaking through him so powerfully, giving him insight, and he's speaking on behalf of God. And listen to what he says, Isaiah 55, 8 through 9. He's speaking on behalf of God. He says, for my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither your ways my ways, declares the Lord. As the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. That's why it's so important that we spend some time I encourage you daily in God's word. Because that's where we begin to learn, like, man, he doesn't think the way I think. He doesn't see the world the way I see the world. He doesn't see time the way I see time. He doesn't see people the way that I see people. Because his thoughts are so much higher than mine. On your best day, your best thought is like little kids playing in mud compared to God's thoughts. But, but this is how we can begin, never comprehend fully, but we can begin to learn who he is and how he thinks and, and what his ways are. He says, high as the heavens are above the earth. That's high. That, that, there's, there's a big gap there. It's like we never come close. That's why we need the wonderful counselor. Because our hearts, they deceive us. Because our minds are limited, but his heart is always pure, and his thoughts are so much higher, and he wants to help, and Isaiah looks 800 years before it happens, and goes, his name is going to be called Wonderful Counselor, not just Counselor, Wonderful Counselor, he's going to do wonders in the middle of a counseling session. Do you know him like that? Do you know Jesus like that? Because that's how he wants to know you. That's how he wants to know me. His name will be called Wonderful Counselor. Now, let me give you right now, and, and believe me, we'll get through this. Everyone else is kind of gassed at this point in the message. and like, oh my gosh, this is going to be an hour and a half. No, it's not. We're going to get right out in time. I want to give you seven things that qualify Christ as a counselor. Real quick. Okay, seven characteristics of why he is the best counselor there's ever been. And, and I am so grateful. I'm so grateful for my friend who, who's a Christian therapist I was able to reach out to. I'm so thankful for Linda Dixon, uh, who's certified every type of counseling in New York State, that, that's a member of our staff, does great counseling and all, all, all that. My wife has an associate's degree in counseling. I know a lot of people that have counseling degrees and things like that. I'm thankful for counselors. I really am. That being said, they're just a, 
you're just a twinkle, a, a, little, a, a, a little glimpse into the wonderful counselor. He's the wonderful counselor. And, and here's the qualities of Christ as a counselor. The first one is this, that uh, he's the eternal God. He's the eternal God. I met, I met with... Uh, our, our dream teamers, our volunteers, 8.30 on Sunday, we meet in here, and I give them a little, like a focal point, something to focus on, and, and then we pray together. And uh, we, we have over 100 volunteers every single week. Many of you don't realize that. 100 people that volunteer just to make our three services happen. It's just, it's crazy the amount of volunteers that we have. And, and thankful for it. Just drive, make the engine go. And, uh, and, and I shared with them that, that you know, this is the most wonderful time of the year, but many people are hurting this time of the year as well. And, and it's real easy to get so busy, especially this time of the year, and we just have our blinders on of just like, I got to check off the next thing on the, to -do, the Christmas to-do list. And, and, and we don't realize what people are going through all around us. And, and so I was just sharing with them, I was like, let's make sure we've got our head on a swivel. Just seeing just looking. And, and let's make sure, best we can, because I think we're really kind as it is and compassionate, let's just dial it up even more. See, because I think every one of these seven characteristics that, that I'm going through now, uh, God wants us to be a reflection of the, this wonderful counselor, who he really is. And he's the eternal God. What does that mean? That, that means that, that we're not just focused on the present moment, that, like I said, he, he's, he's God. And, and, and he wants to help heal the hurts of the past so we don't keep tripping over ourselves and, and, and can set us up for a bright future in the present today. He's the eternal God. He is the alpha and the omega, the beginning and the end, the one that was and is and is to come. That, that, that glimpse of eternity, when, when, when we have eternity in our mind, in our eyes, when we can see, we understand eternity, it changes the decisions we make today. And he's the eternal God. And we need that as a wonderful counselor. But, but not only is he the eternal God, second thing that's really important is he's man, he's human. And, and could I put it this way? He gets us. I don't know how many of you heard. It's a huge nationwide uh, kind of like a, a advertising thing right now. He gets us. And it's a Christian organization behind. He gets us. And it's just purposely trying to connect Christian faith to especially millennials and Gen Z. And it's just talking about how, how the things that you face, not Jesus faced all those things. He gets us. He understands. I, I, I mean, he... Uh, well, let's put a verse up first. Uh, Hebrews chapter 4, verse 14 and 15. It says, but Jesus, the son of God, is our great high priest who has gone to heaven itself to help us. Therefore, let us never stop trusting him. Don't ever stop trusting him. Here's why. This high priest of ours understands our weaknesses since he had the same temptations we do, though he never once gave way to them and sinned. He gets us. You, are, are you ever deal with unreasonable expectations people have? for you he gets us no one had more on i mean if you ever deal with people judging you he gets us he was constantly judged constantly criticized constantly just uh, 
barrage with, with all kinds of questions like, if you are who you say you are, you're not really all that. You're just a pretender. You're just a fraud. You're just a fake. Threatened. You know, just reading through the Gospels, I, I like to do that. And I'm, I'm finishing up in the Gospel of John. It's amazing how many times it pops up where it says the crowd wanted to grab him and kill him, but he escaped. It was like three or four different times before the crucifixion. They wanted to kill, they wanted to kill him early. He gets us. I mean, that's a bad day at the office. They're literally trying to kill you. That's a bad day at the office. He gets us. He, he's been betrayed. He gets us. He's been disappointed by his closest friends. He gets us. People he lived his life with, people he shared with, they turned their back on He gets us. That's why he's a wonderful counselor. He's an eternal God, but he, he's also a human. He's a man. And he understands. And so he has compassion. Never sinned, but he certainly understands that, that temptation. I mean, we, it, it always just hits me so much when in the garden of Gethsemane, he's like, God, if there's any way, to let, let this cup pass. from I don't want to do this. I don't want to do this. He wanted out. But then that next breath, Nevertheless, not my will, yours be done. You know, I, I find myself praying that more and more every day. Because <laughs> there are things that happen, things that come up, and I just want to go, you know. I just want Greg's will, and I just want to get upset and angry and all. Not my will, yours be done, Lord. Not mine will, yours be done. He gets us. He's been there. He knows. Maybe you're facing a crossroad in your life. He gets us. Maybe, maybe you're facing a fork in the road. You know, kind of reminds me of that great philosopher, Yogi Berra, catcher of the Yankees. He said, when you come to a fork in the road, take it. That's impossible. Yeah. That's just, but, but he gets us. He, he can help us navigate those decisions when we face it. Third thing is he loves us. I, I think we're going to have all eternity to try to really understand how much he loves us, and we're not going to be able to understand it. He loves us. C.S. Lewis put it this way, great Christian author. He said, he loved us not because we're lovable, but because God is love. On your best day, you're really not lovable. You're not. I'm not. My wife will tell you I am just adorable and lovable all the time, but I'm not. God loves us because he, he's love. He loves you, and there's nothing you can do about it. You can't change it. You can't be bad enough. You can't mess up big enough. You can't disappoint worse enough to change his love for you. He loves you. And there's nothing you can do about it. Fourth thing is he encourages us. Just a little shot, an encouragement goes such a long way. He encourages us. When we're down, when we're disappointed, don't give up. I've been there, you can do it, I'm with you. This is not the end. I know it's hard. I've been there. 
I'm with you. We're going to get through this together. He encourages us. Fifth thing, he's patient with us. Man, I love this. He's patient. Jesus is patient as the wonderful counselor. Anything worthwhile takes a while to build. Anything worthwhile takes a while to build. You know, you look at like the great cathedrals all throughout the world. You know, they took centuries to build. Centuries to build. Anything worthwhile takes time to build. It makes me think about, you know, when I became a pastor of this church, I was 24 years old. I'm a senior pastor. You're not a senior anything when you're 24. There's no senior. I don't think I would have even attended the church, you know, if I wasn't me. I didn't even like the church. Well, anyway, everyone really laughed at that, the other two services. I guess we're a little more somber. <laughs> yeah, y'all need an extra cup of coffee or something like that. But, but, uh, but I'm, so, I'm so grateful for the patience of the Valley family. Nine o'clock sitting right over here in front row. Jamie and Donna Fergal. They were my youth leaders when I was 13 years old in this church. I mean, they could tell some stories, but they won't. Don't ask them. <laughs> but just being patient. I, I feel like in many ways, like the Valley family, you, you've just been so patient with me. And, and the church has grown as I've kind of grown up. That's what's happened. See, Jesus is the wonderful counselor. He's patient. He's so patient. Anything in life that really matters, it takes time to build. You, you want to have a great marriage? It takes time. It doesn't happen overnight. It takes time. It takes work. A lot of work. A anything. You want to have great friendships? It takes time. It takes work. Over time. Keep building. Keep plugging. You want to become an expert in, in, in an area to really be able to help it? It takes time. Patient. Be patient. He's patient with us. He's not expecting like, you know, get, get yourself together right now. He's patient. It's one of the, like, it's one of the fruit of the Spirit. It's patience. Why? Because it comes from Jesus. He's patient with us. He doesn't get frustrated with us. Like, you should know that by now. You should be past this by now. He's patient. Here's the sixth thing. He knows our hearts. He, he knows what we intended to do and what we didn't do and what we ended up doing instead. He, he, he knows what's really motivating us. He knows our hearts, and that's why we can trust him when he says, that's not good for you, Greg. I, I know that's what you want. That's not good for you. That, that's not going to end well. He, he knows really what's in our heart. When, the things that we meant to do that we didn't do and the things we didn't mean to do that we did, he knows. He's a wonderful counselor. And then here, here's the seventh thing. He prays for us. Man, man, let me just take a moment on this one because this is like he prays for us. Did you know, did you know Jesus, he's praying for you? Rich, he's praying for you. Regina, he's praying for you. Jesus is praying for you. He's actually, Daniel, he's praying for you. Isa, he 
He's praying for you. In the garden. They're about to come and take him away. And he's thinking about us. And he's praying in John 17. And he prays for his disciples first, who saw all the miracles, saw all that. But then he says, and Father, I pray for those who will come, who will believe even though they have never seen. I pray for them. He's praying for you right now. That's how much he believes in you. Sometimes we make such a big deal out of, do you believe in Jesus? And I think we should be a big deal. Sometimes I think the question that is just as big as this, do you realize how much he believes in you? He believes in you. He, he told Peter on the night he was betrayed, he said, you're going to deny me three times. You're going to deny you even know me. And then he makes this statement, he goes, but Peter, I've prayed for you. I've prayed for you that, that your faith would not fail you. And after you fall, that you would turn back again and you would strengthen those around you. He was praying for him. And he's praying for you. And he's praying for me. In fact, maybe I'll just change the wording because there's something more powerful than the fact that he prays for us. There's something better than praying for someone. You know what that is? Praying with them. Praying with them. He not only prays for, he prays with us. Because he said, I'll never leave you, I'll never forsake you. I'm with you always, even to the end of the age. That's the wonderful counselor. Do you know him like that? Because here's the thing that I've learned, and I'm learning Right now at this moment, I am as close to Jesus as I want to be. There's no lack on his part. The lack is on my part. You right now, everyone, we are as close to Jesus as we choose to be. It's no lack on his part. He wants to be your wonderful counselor. He wants to be my wonderful counselor. Isaiah saw 800 years before he came. His name shall be called Wonderful Counselor. Let me summarize this message this way. A good counselor does not protect us from the problems of life. Let me repeat that because it kind of has to sink in. A good counselor does not protect us from the problems of life. Jesus said, in this world, you're going to have tribulation. This is a dangerous place. It's going to be tough. Instead, he prepares us for life's problems. 
That's what a good counselor does. Not protect us from the problems. Prepares us for them so that we can walk through them victoriously and come out on the other side. That's what a wonderful counselor does. That's what he does. That's what he wants to do in each and every one of our lives today, right now. I'm going to ask, would you bow your heads with me right now? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you. Lord, for, for some of us, things that, that we've been reminded of today, that Jesus is the wonderful counselor. Father, I thank you for things that some of us, we've discovered today that we never knew, that Jesus wants to be our wonderful counselor. God, may we never take for granted. May we never overlook. Lord, may we not underutilize the great, wonderful counselor, Jesus, that you sent because you loved us so much. Father, thank you for Jesus. And Lord, may this Christmas, may we lean into the wonderful counselor. May we look into your word to learn more of how you think and, and allow your word to reveal our hearts. And Lord, may we surrender even deeper those places in our lives that we need the touch and the healing word and work of the wonderful counselor. Thank you, Father. Right now, with our heads bowed and our eyes closed, I want to give you an opportunity. If you're here today and you've never received Jesus Christ as your Savior, as your wonderful counselor, I'm not going to embarrass you, have you stand up or raise your hand or anything like that. I'd just like to lead you in a prayer that you can repeat with me right where you are, seated right where you are, even in a whisper. This isn't for the person sitting next to you. This is for you, between you and God. The Bible says if you declare with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. And I want to lead you in a simple prayer that you can declare that right now with your mouth. And I encourage you to open up your heart to Jesus today as your Savior and your Lord, as your wonderful counselor. Just repeat these words after me right now, right where you are. Heavenly Father, forgive me of my sin. I turn from my sin today. Jesus, thank you for living for me. Thank you for dying for me. Thank you for rising from the dead for me. And I ask you to be my wonderful counselor. Lead me today. Guide me today. By your Holy Spirit. From this day forward. And I will follow you. I receive you today as my Savior and Lord. Amen. Amen. Well, I'm going to ask if you'd stand with me. And let me say this. If you prayed that prayer for the first time, congratulations. That's the most powerful prayer that anyone can ever pray. Uh, 
I'd love to congratulate you. And also, if you pray that prayer for the first time, I'd love to put this uh, free Bible in your hands. Uh, It's a tool that's going to help you to grow in your newfound faith in Jesus Christ. It's called the New Believer's Bible. And and it, it... Sometimes the Bible can be a little tricky when we read it. Let's, let's be honest. But, but this has some additional notes that help you to understand what you're reading, kind of unpacks what you're reading, kind of like I did today with this verse that we're looking at in Isaiah. And so if you prayed that prayer for the first time, congratulations. I want to invite you to stop by where the manger is in the cafe. Meet me at the manger, all right, uh, when we're done in just a second here. And love to put this Bible in your hand, and we have some other gifts for you. If you're a first-time guest as well, please stop by. I'd love to put a, a name with the face that I've been seeing today because your name is important to you and I want to learn what that name is so I can call you by the sweetest sound you'll ever hear your own name and uh, I want to invite you back next week we'll continue this series we're going to talk about mighty God and we're going to look at the fact that Jesus is large and in charge and that means we can trust him with whatever's going on uh, in our life we can look to him Right now, as is our custom here at Valley, I, I just want to speak one of the many blessings over you uh, that's recorded for us in the pages of Scripture. This is one of our favorites. God gave this, this blessing and said, when these words are spoken over my people, my name is being put upon my people. So if you'd like to receive this blessing right now, I just invite you to open your hands like you're receiving a gift from God because these words that I'm honored to speak over you truly are a gift that he gave. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious unto you. May the Lord lift his countenance upon you, and may he give you his peace. God bless you, Valley family. Merry Christmas.